my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Sam Edis. And I'm Amy Nelson. Welcome to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. This is a show about the world's most remarkable women, their professional and personal journeys. Together, we'll hear from gold medalists, best-selling authors, and leaders of the world's most iconic brands. Listen every Thursday or join the conversation anytime on Instagram at What's Her Story Podcast. Randy Zuckerberg is the former director of market development and spokesperson for Facebook and a sister of Mark Zuckerberg. After seven years at the company, Randy left to start her own entrepreneurial venture and is now leading the charge in Web3. Randy, you are one of four kids. What was it like growing up in the Zuckerberg household? 
definitely chaotic. Amy, my hat is off to you. Having grown up with four kids, I I bow down before mom of four. I think I didn't quite appreciate how challenging it must have been until I had three kids of my own, and it was like, no way, there's a fourth here. But you know, we grew up. It was like I think people would be shocked at how normal our household was growing up. And how kind of wildly different interests everyone had, and、uh, you know, pretty sure I was like that mean bully oldest sibling who like sent my my sisters to therapy for years. <laughs> so I, now now when I see my own kids doing it to one another, it, it hits a little harder. <laughs> What's the age range between the four of you? Yeah, there's about about two years between everyone, two to three years. So my poor mom spent about a full decade. Pregnant. I, I once asked if I could borrow any of her '80s clothing for an '80s party, and she's like, "Sorry, I only have maternity clothing from the '80s. Like that's that's all I have." <laughs> so I feel like the three of us can relate to that now. Of course,、um, you know, I thought I had my own independent life, and then、uh, the pandemic hit, and I had just had a newborn baby, so we had just had the youngest, and、uh, I found myself back living with my parents again for two years. <laughs> So there you go. Everything comes full circle. Okay, so I want to go to Randy Zuckerberg, the mogul, because I think that what's so incredible about you is you've really been able to build your own brand, right? And and a lot of people would think that you, you know, being the older sister of Mark Zuckerberg, that you would be in some way overshadowed. But you've really developed your own following, your own brand, and your own career. How have you done that? You know, it, it's funny you say that. And、um, I loved working at Facebook and and starting my career there. I was in Silicon Valley for almost a decade, and it was just the most incredible experience. But you're right. I had this kind of moment in my early 30s where I realized if someone wrote a book about the story of my life, I wouldn't be the lead character in it. And and that was kind of a really shocking realization. And I think it's a realization. A lot of women have. I don't think it's just like a me having a famous brother. I think a lot of women are the supporting character in their own lives, and、um, and I realized that in my early 30s, and I was like, okay, it is time for a drastic change in my life right now, and that's when I feel like I really jumped in as you know, starting my own company, pursuing my own dreams、uh, a lot more, and it's taken a long time. I think it you know probably took me almost a decade. Since then, for me to really feel like I was making an impact on my own. What was the first day like after you left Facebook?、Um, well, it was kind of a, a crazy ending because my my whole life, my dream was to sing on Broadway, and、uh, I know that's silly. A lot of people have that dream. I, I grew up. I got realistic. I like went to work in technology and, and Silicon Valley, and then. I got a call out of the blue. I was 32 years old. I got a call out of the blue asking if I wanted to come star in Rock of Ages on Broadway, which is an 80s rock musical. They were looking for a tech personality to come star in their Broadway show. I guess they couldn't afford an A, B, C, or D list celebrity, so they're like, "Okay, we'll go with a tech personality." And I had just found out that morning I was pregnant. And so I, I real, I was like, this is the sign that the universe is giving me to shake up my life and to focus on myself. And so it was kind of a whirlwind end of my time at Silicon Valley because I accepted that role on a Thursday, 
moved to New York and started rehearsing on Monday. So it was a bit of a, a kind of just blew up my entire life over the course of four days. What was the plan before the call for Rock of Ages? There was no plan. We had just bought this beautiful home in, ca- in suburban California. Like on paper, I feel like you would have looked at my life and thought it was great. In reality, I'm not like a suburban home-owning person. Like I was carrying that house on my back. I was not happy. And, you know, Silicon Valley, there's a lot of amazing things. There's also a lot of very toxic things about Silicon Valley, especially as a woman. And so, I, I don't know, I just felt like I really was needing a soul change, if that makes any sense. And so when that um, when that call came out of the blue, it was just, it was a sign from the universe. I actually, when I went to New York, I never returned. My husband sold our house, moved uh, all of our things across the country, and we've been New Yorkers ever since. So it's um, it was kind of a, a wild experience too. And so, you know, sometimes though, you, uh, you learn a lot about yourself and your resilience when you kind of just blow up everything overnight. How was your husband able to make such a move? Because Obviously, it required a lot of flexibility on his part, too. Yes, I I feel very lucky to have a partner who's, you know, helped me prioritize my career when I've needed to. I feel like we've struck a really good balance of of prioritizing one another's careers. And, um, you know, at the start of the pandemic, he had just started as the COO of Parsley Health, an awesome health startup uh, with a female CEO. And so I was like, okay, great. This is your opportunity to double down on your career. This is amazing. I'll play more of the role of like the default parent and the support. And I I felt good doing that because there have been so many moments in our partnership where he was like, yes, I will pack up our home and get a new job and move our life in a week from California to New York. So I definitely feel, feel very lucky to have a partner like that. How did you meet him? We met in college. We did not date in college at all. And then we we re-met after. It's funny, he's from South Africa. And uh, I just was so blown away by how kind of worldly he was. And I remember our first date, we went to the museum. And I was so nervous because I liked him so much. And I pointed to this map on the wall. And I was like, that's where you're from. And he's like, that's South America. And I was just like, I was like, I, I, I went to Harvard, like I have a, a college education. I obviously know the difference between South America and the continent of Africa. And it was, and, um, and luckily uh, he went, came back for a second date. That is so funny. <laughs> It was, I mean, I still cringe about it today. Like 20 years later, I still like, you know, when you lie down at night and you're, and instead of going to bed, you replay all the mistakes that you've made in your life. Like that's a, that's a story that replays a lot. Um, But what, but you probably think he's even more amazing after this story. He turned down one of his dream, his dream job at Genentech in San Francisco to be with me in New York because I was living in New York when we first met. And then two weeks later, I moved to San Francisco to work at Facebook. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so the fact that we're still married after all of that is really a, a testament. I want to go back to the part where you shared that you felt like Silicon Valley was a toxic culture 
What was toxic about it? I think from the outside, it's hard to understand. We hear that all the time, but if you don't live it, what does that mean exactly on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, there's signs of hope from what I've seen, but when I got out to Silicon Valley, I mean, I had no clue what I was in for. I was working at an ad agency in New York City where we had a female CEO who had gone from being the intern all the way up to the CEO, right? So my whole career had started in this environment where anything's possible. And suddenly I went out to Silicon Valley where like a lot of offices didn't have even women's restrooms. And um, people would come to, to Facebook for a meeting ask me for coffee and then realize that I was the one running the meeting that they were going into. I mean, I, I often say that my biggest advantage in life was that when I would email with people, they would think emailing with Randy was a dude. And like, I would actually be able to get meetings and get things done. I guess I was like, I was like anonymous before it was cool now with crypto. So that that's the kind of environment. So on one hand, here I was at the cutting edge of all of this amazing innovation of Web2 and pushing forward a whole new industry. And on the other hand, it was so difficult to get things done being the only woman in the room and just always an uphill battle. How did you change that culture at Facebook or how how were you instrumental in sort of making sure that environment didn't mirror the rest of Silicon Valley? You know, obviously all of these tech companies have a long way to go still. I do think that bringing in Sheryl Sandberg was a huge turning point early on in Facebook. And that really made a big difference in the culture. It at least made the the female uh, employees feel seen and heard and, and excited and hopeful. And because of that, I think that was a real turning point for a lot of executive teams across Silicon Valley to, to really think about investing in, in female leadership. It's crazy until that moment. I, I think I could count the number of female executives on one hand in Silicon Valley. Now, when you look at venture firms, it's um, pretty weird if a venture firm doesn't have a female partner. It was not weird 15 years ago. It was strange to, to find a female VC. We could obviously still do a lot better with funding, but there's you know at least some a lot of signs of hope and change from what I'm seeing. So I'm excited about some of the progress in Silicon Valley, but at the same time, I'm seeing a lot of it repeat itself on the front lines of Web3 where I am now. And it's it's frustrating to see those same patterns just playing out over and over. Let's talk about Web3. I mean, you've done a lot of things since you went out on your own. So why did you get involved? Like what drew you to this brand new frontier that sometimes makes my head hurt because it's learning something completely new once again? It definitely makes my head hurt on a daily basis. And um, it's funny, I feel like most of the things that have happened in my career have been kind of uh, happy accidents or you know, luck because I've had my eyes open for, for accidents. It's interesting because I, you know, I talked a little bit about this split identity that I had with Silicon Valley and being an artist. And I always felt I was a little too artsy for the tech world and I was a little too techy for the arts world. And I never really fit into either of those. And suddenly, about a year ago, I started getting all of these calls from investors and companies saying, you know, Randy, we really need the skill set of someone who can evaluate both an artistic project and a, and a tech project because we want to get into NFTs. And so we need someone who can speak both of those languages. So I didn't really set out to get into crypto or to, to go down that world. But 
suddenly it was like the last 20 years of my career all made sense in one moment. Like there's a, a small group of us that can understand how to work with artists and speak techie language. And I was like, all right, this is, put me in coach. This is my moment. <laughs> what was the first entrance into it? I mean, it still is like the Wild West. How have you educated yourself and how much do you feel like you know today? I mean, it's a it's an insane learning curve. I would say I got into the space in September 2021. So it hasn't, I mean, eight, nine months that I've been in the space. I was speaking on a panel at NFT NYC last year, and I I had my phone out writing down words that my fellow panelists were saying because I had no clue half the things that they were even saying. And um, they would get to me and say, you know, Brandy, what do you think? And I'd just be like, my fellow panelists summed it up so well. There is absolutely nothing that I have to add, you know, that could be better. And then I, I would go home and look at this list on my phone of, you know, a dozen vocabulary words and be like, OK, I don't know what a DAO is. I don't know what like what I need to like figure out all of the stuff going on in the blockchain. What is Solana? And um, and so little by little, I started to educate myself and I definitely went slow, and that's something that I would recommend to a lot of people. It's a there's a, a lot of vocabulary and lingo when it comes to crypto and Web three. There's a lot of chaos at any time you're on the front lines of something new. So just kind of sitting in that environment and learning from people around you and absorbing content, I think, is the best way to get started. And before I knew it, I found myself advising about 20 different NFT collections and founders and then uh, becoming a Web3 founder myself. So it's definitely been a, a wacky, wild learning curve. And now a quick break. Are you a woman-owned business looking for a new sales channel? I'm so excited to tell you about our newest partner, the W Marketplace. Founded by two women, it's a nationwide e-commerce site for women entrepreneurs and the shoppers who support them. It offers favorable terms and is a supportive community for female-founded companies. With over 500 women-owned businesses selling thousands of products and services, the W Marketplace might be your favorite new sales channel. Intrigued? Learn more at jointhewmarketplace.com. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back. 
real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Which company did you found? I know you've advised many companies. What is your company about and what's it called? Yes, it's called Hug. And I per- we've named it Hugged because so much of crypto is so intimidating and unwelcoming. And it's like those early days of Web 2. It's, you know, 98% men. And the way they, like, everything is sir and bro and this. And so... First of all, really wanted to create a welcoming, embracing place for people to come into crypto. But the other gap that I saw is that there's a ton of awesome communities for brand new people into crypto. So there are great places to learn the basics, but there's not a great second stop on someone's crypto journey. So once you do learn and you you do decide, you know, yes, I I want to go a little bit deeper. I want to start collecting NFTs or I want to start trading crypto. There's no second stop that's friendly for women and and diverse artists and founders in the space. You go straight from the friendly newcomer communities to like the super bro alpha communities. And so I, I wanted Hug to be like the friendliest second stop on someone's Web3 journey. We began this conversation 
going to Web3 talking about Silicon Valley and how it can be a hostile place for women or other marginalized communities and that there's a risk of Web3 becoming like that as well. So do you think that we're starting differently today than we did in the Valley? Like, do you think we're starting from a different place and that it will be more inclusive? I would say in certain areas of crypto, it's pretty demoralizing what you see when you look in the straight up like trading cryptocurrencies. I think that's why for me, I've really loved focusing on the NFT world because you do start to see the culture changing there. I mean, a lot of women can relate to buying art and collecting art. So that is a great gateway into crypto. Uh, I find it's very difficult to convince a woman to just like open a crypto wallet and start buying and trading and doing all this like decentralized finance. And um, But I can convince a woman to check out art and purchase it with Ethereum and help her start her Web3 journey that way. But to your point, Amy, which is such a good one, um, I've definitely noticed, you know, because it is a, a new world, the kind of people that are winning early on are people who have disposable income to just, you know, to throw around and test things. And so I've tried really hard, even in our own community, to even take a back seat myself and not be kind of the voice that's heard. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I am a white woman with privilege who's had success in business. And so my point of view on my own personal finance is really, you know, probably not a, a typical view that most people coming into crypto would have. So in our community, I'm really proud. Of, it's 60% BIPOC uh, creators and collectors, almost 80% women. And I really try to have my voice be a very distant one in the chorus of voices. You've been a champion of women in so many different ways, right? You've invested in so many female-founded startups. You know, I think that Hug is creating this incredible space. So one question I have that I don't know the answer to is what role do female friendships play in your adult life? Wow, that's, I mean, it's such a great question. And one thing I will say is uh, one thing that shocked me about Web3 is how collaborative women are with one another. I almost feel like I have had to unlearn everything that I've been taught. You know, like, I feel like our generation, we were taught that women compete and that one woman's success is your failure. And like being happy for a friend was always tinged with a little bit of jealousy at the same time. And I, um, the wonderful thing that I can say about Web3 is that I don't see any of that behavior at all. I see women collaborating and teaming up and working together. And so um, I would say that female friendships have a much bigger part of my life today than they did even um, nine months ago. And that um, the only way for women to succeed in Web3 is teaming up and just like hunkering down with other amazing women around them. So that has been something that I've had to like very excitingly unlearn about my entire past. Who are your closest friends? Who are, oh gosh, um, you know, I feel like I have, I have friends of like different interest categories. So I have my theater friends, like so I have um, close friends who I produce with and who I, I go see a lot of theater with. I have my golf friends because that sport saved my sanity during COVID. I, I was like, okay, there's no theater to produce anymore. There's nothing to do. So I'm going to come out of this with a new skill. Um, and now I have like these amazing friends who we travel together 
on like golf trips with our families. It's pretty wild. And now I have my crypto friends. So it's it's pretty fun to uh, to have um, you know different really passionate friend groups. But I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I I definitely have found myself over the last decade like being in the trenches with three young kids does not leave a lot of room for fr- for like doubling down on friendships. And so I feel like it's only just now that I'm able to say yes to traveling on trips with friends. And I feel like for a decade, I wasn't able to prioritize being a great friend. To that point, I think all three of us have this kind of network of women around the country where when you go to that city, you see each other. You don't even need to necessarily be in the same city to be close friends. And I think that's one of the benefits of being out in the world and outside of your home and really like, you know, having a career that's that's so expansive is that that's something that adds value. And just like a PSA about that to everyone who joins us uh, on What's Your Story is that like we all come from completely different backgrounds and there's no like ticket to enter this club of supportive women around the country. Because Randy, to your point, like it isn't this world where another woman's success is your failure. It's like we all rise together and there's a ton of opportunity there. Totally. I mean, even just to give an example that just warms my heart so much. I I started to get really frustrated by the fact that pretty much only the top 20 performing NFT collections are visible and they're all created by men. And it's this, you know, perpetuating cycle because then, you know, because they're selling well, they rank high on all the NFT marketplaces. I put a tweet up. I was like, I would love to build something that gets visibility for women-led projects, diverse-led projects. If anyone wants to help me, just, you know, send me a message. 300 women responded to that. And we started this community where everyone has honestly just been working tirelessly to find NFT collections, evaluate them, review them, like no compensation. I mean, it's just people who want to lend a hand with a shared goal around promoting women's voices. And um, I've never seen anything like that in my life, honestly. What do you think about Elon Musk buying Twitter? I know it's pretty, pretty insane. I, uh, oh my gosh, I, it's certainly not going to help the like bro-y kind of vibe that we're, um, (laughs) that we're fighting against in our little corner of Web3, but I guess the jury's out to see what happens. (laughs) I mean, listen, I, I respect everything that he's done as a, as a business as a person in business, it's pretty insane to be able to found multiple companies that all have like built like many billion dollar valuations. So I guess we'll see how that trickles down to to the, the average person using it. You were at Facebook in the beginning. You were a big part of building it. You have now lived sort of from the outside to see it become the darling, the villain, the darling, the villain. It goes back and forth. What is that like for you? You know, because you are so close to it, not just as a former employee, but obviously as the sister of the founder and CEO, what's that like for you? Yeah, I think you have to have a thick skin in business. I mean, the press builds you up to to tear you down, to build you up. Like I, you know, I mean, no one can be a darling forever. No one's a villain forever. Um, I think I used to take it very personally when I was young. And I think as I 
grew up and kind of looked around the world and I saw even the same thing like happening to Britney Spears next to me. <laughs> and then I, it's um, there's just there's natural ways of things. You know, I do think for sure there's people are pushing back with this with Web3 against a few companies holding all the centralized power. And I can understand why people are pushing back and why they feel that way. I do think that the utopian ideal of complete decentralization probably doesn't work the way that that people are pitching it. I think the ideal situation in the end is kind of a hybrid, like a web 2.5, where um, if your crypto wallet does get stolen, you have someone to call. Like there's some centralization to protect people in the space. But um, so I, I can understand that right now people are in a time where they're really pushing back against like a few big companies holding a lot of power. And It'll be interesting to see how that evolves as as Web three evolves. And then, why do you think you know when you see someone like Cheryl, right? I was, I was quoted in Lean In. I was such a a big fan of Cheryl as you were in terms of changing the culture at Facebook. What do you think is going to sort of happen with her story, given how dramatically it's changed? I mean, I think as women, it especially hits hard because there's not that many role models that are out there doing huge things in the world. And so it almost feels personal to all of us when someone you sort of, you know, saw as this beacon of hope is taken down. Definitely. And, you know, I see that all the time, all around me. I, you know, it just, it hits a little harder when it's like women being taken down. And I feel like especially um, even in the crypto world that I see myself in right now, the men can do no wrong. You know, they're out there raising $75 million in a few hours on nothing, right? On pixelated pictures. Whereas, you know, the women around me are facing constant takedowns, often by other female reporters of like, oh, you're, you're not like elevating this voice enough. You're not doing this. You know, oh, you're too like well off to give advice. You're not well enough off to give advice. And, um, I just at some point, it's like, when is that going to end? Like the, the, you know, I, the takedown of like the female role model. And of course, people need to be held accountable for their actions a hundred percent. But it's it hits a little harder because the men are not getting that same takedown treatment. And now a quick break. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes 
I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married yeah. at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous <laughs> of your generation yeah. that didn't have to deal with Instagram and that. Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. We create magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're such a positive person. What gets you down? Well, for sure, I think as a mom, you're only as happy as your least happy child at the moment. So, you know, we've definitely the addressing the situation with the pandemic and reentering life has been stressful. But I, I feel lucky to have a lot to be grateful for in my life. And uh, I have found at least that even though, you know, things might be in chaos around me, it often takes the same amount of energy to be positive than to be negative, which I know is like probably a silly, super cheesy, ridiculous thing to say. But um, it's, uh, they often say in method acting, like I learned in psychology, if you just by smiling in the mirror, it actually like lights up a positive area of your brain. Um, and so even in all the cheesiness, I, I think, you know, this has certainly been a very, very stressful year. You know, overnight, the two main industries that I were involved with collapsed. 
I had to personally, you know, lay off dozens of, of actors and people who didn't have a plan B in their career. And that was probably one of the worst, worst moments of my life professionally. And then figure out, you know, like a navigating a complete pivot into an area where most of the people that I talk to in my life think that I'm a lunatic that's like trading JPEGs and pirate money. <laughs> so, you know, it's I feel like it, sometimes you have to just be self-aware enough to laugh about it, you know, and, and embrace the, the silliness in the situation. Who in your life do you go to for advice? Um, it's funny how that's changed over the years. I feel like I spent the entire decade of my 20s trying to find like that one person 15 levels above me who would solve all my problems. And I never found that person. In fact, the few times I came close, like they would end up asking me a million questions about Facebook and social media, and I would end up mentoring them and getting like nothing out of the relationship. Um, and it, honestly, it wasn't until a few years ago that I realized that my best mentors are like the two of you, like right, right next to me. They're, they're the women who are right next to me in my life all along, going through the same thing and rising up together. And uh, I, I wish I had realized that sooner in my career, honestly. And it's funny, back to that question around positivity and how you stay positive. I also find that in the last few years, I have been ruthless about axing toxic people out of my life. I used to tolerate a lot of bullshit from people around me. Um, and maybe, you know, earlier in your early in your career, you sort of do. You haven't really earned the, the right. But now I'm like, there is just no time to surround myself with people who are toxic or anything but positive. And so that has definitely affected my own outlook is my ability to just like, spring clean. <laughs> I've also spring cleaned as we talked about all the high heels out of my closet too, because I also, I don't have time for toxic people and I don't have time for a heel that's over two inches. <laughs> all right. We are going to go to our speed round now. Um, we're going to ask you some quick questions and you can give us quick answers. Amy, do you want to kick it off? What book are you reading right now? Um, oh my gosh. Do, do people read books when they're starting companies and have kids? That's like a horrible, horrible question. No. Okay. I'm reading our friend Bobby Rebel's book um, about how to learn tips for your children about finance. And it's an awesome book. What's your morning routine? I have about 14 cups of coffee. I know this is, this is good health advice. Um, we have th three, three different children that go to three schools with the exact same drop-off time. So morning is just running around like a lunatic with a lot of coffee, grab a child and bring them to school. <laughs> what is your nighttime routine? Okay, well, I love nighttime. Everyone in my house goes to bed pretty early and I'm a late night owl. And so I get to enjoy like three, four hours to myself. So I, I put on like some TV in the background. I sit and I work. I'll like take a bath. I'll do like my whole face routine. I'll do like I feel like it's my my time every night to like have the whole house to myself, which I love. Who leaves you starstruck? Oh my gosh, um, so so many people. I I think some of like the incredible female politicians that are just like 
pushing the boulder uphill right now. I, I know like the two of you have met Stacey Abrams, who would like, I, I know if I ever met her, when I would just, I don't even know if I'd know what to say. I'd be so starstruck. All right. Well, Lou Burns has been listening and he always comes in at the end with a male perspective and often the, the sharpest perspective. So um, Lou, take it away. Where do you imagine um, Hug to be like in the next 10 years? Well, there are two two directions we're trying to go. The first is we're trying to launch almost like a trip advisor of Web3 companies so that you could go on and search for an NFT collection by the type of founder or the social cause it supports and kind of see reviews on it. The other side is I think there's an entire new skill set that's going to be in demand with Web3 of this curator level of the internet, of, of people who understand enough to curate artists and curate different um, information for websites and for companies. And so I'm hoping that Hug can become kind of the default curate as a platform for Web3 also. How can Lou get involved in Hug? Okay. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that if you're new to crypto, Hug is a second stop in crypto. So I'm going to recommend to start with Curious Addy Trading Club, which is a, a crypto community for total newcomers. It's the hands down best community for, for onboarding into crypto. Once you've played around there and you decide, you know, that you want to go a little deeper down the rabbit hole, come find me because I'm all the way down there. Then I would check out thehug.xyz and everything we're doing there because we are taking people on that next journey to either become founders in Web3, create their own NFT collections, become big collectors of, of crypto and NFTs. And so once once you've fallen and become a degen, as people say in crypto, come find me at, at The Hug and we'll be delighted to hug you with open arms. The thing about Randy that I will never get over is how lovely she is about telling these stories like other people would just never share but like Randy always shares the unvarnished truth about her own life her career everything and I just feel like that's so rare she can also laugh at herself which I love that is one of my favorite qualities about her and just anyone <laughs> but also <laughs> she she really her positivity is contagious and I love it. And I, I, you're right. I mean, she was laughing about the fact that she moved in with her parents during the pandemic. She she laughs about her, you know, trials and failures. And I also thought she was pretty honest in talking about Mark and Cheryl and Facebook. She, she really didn't shy away from it. We've had some guests on our show who kind of ask us to take things out or get nervous when we ask the hard questions. And we always feel like it's our responsibility to ask the hard questions. But she handled our hard questions with such grace. I love it. She is amazing. She is incredible. And I I am really excited to dig in further with her offline about Web3. And hopefully we can come back to everyone here and give you more guidance because I think it's something we all need to embrace. Coming soon, there might be a What's Her Story NFT collection thanks to Randy's inspiration. Thanks for listening to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We would appreciate it if you'd leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, connect with us on social media at What's Her Story Podcast. What's Her Story with Sam and Amy is powered by my company, The Riveter, at theriveter.co and Sam's company, Park Place Payments, at parkplacepayments.com. 
Thanks to our producer, Stacey Para, and our male perspective, Lou Burns. <laughs>